The scripture for today's sermon comes from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 27. The word of God speaks to us. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there, were, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that it lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is God's word to us. Well, good morning. If you're new or visiting with us, my name is Bryce Johnson. I am a pastoral resident here at Frontline. It's a joy and honor to open up God's word with you. Um, we are one church uh, with five congregations. Uh, so from time to time, we get to experience the blessing of, uh, of elders and pastors from other congregations. So this morning, we had Charlie Hall, who led worship uh, for us from downtown. And it was such a gift, Charlie. We are so glad uh, that you're here with us this morning. If you got a copy of the scriptures, uh, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Um, also just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I think it is an incredible truth that of all the ways in which God could incarnate himself to the world, show himself, he came through the womb of a mother. Um, and just it, the incredible ways in which Jesus himself was shaped uh, by his mother. Such a gift. And so happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you out there. We're continuing in our study of the letter of 1 Corinthians. And maybe more so than any other letter, 1 Corinthians teaches us how to live and worship as a church community. Now, there are all sorts of ways in which we can do church, right? There's different styles, different models, different ideas on uh, what church can be, what church should be, what's okay, what's not okay. But at the end of the day, so often it feels subjective. So often it feels like it comes down to the whims of who's leading it or your likes or my likes. But this letter from Paul was written to a real church with real issues that are still pertinent to this day. It talks about issues of division and sexual conduct and how we're to live, uh, how we're to view the Lord's table or, or, or communion and how we use spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. 
And one of the beautiful realities of the Bible is that it's not just a collection of old, uh, of old documents that we study together. When we come together, when we open the Bible, when we read it, we're not just consuming it like we're part of a book club um, or just as another piece of literature. When we read the Bible, it reads us and it speaks to us. We read it as God's revealed word that speaks to us even today. The Bible says it's like a double-edged sword that pierces bone and marrow. It's able to split us apart and read us and even unveil what's hiding, what we want to hide. And God comes in through his word and he offers a better story. He calls us to a new reality. This morning we're part of scripture that, that talks about this reality that the church is a body. It's a body. And it reminded me, nine weeks ago today, nine weeks ago today, my dad got a call for a new kidney. Um, his kidneys had failed and he was on dialysis for over five years. So for five years, my dad went into the dialysis clinic three times a week, um, and for four to five hours at a time, he'd be hooked up to a machine that cleaned and filtered his blood because his kidneys, which normally do that, weren't able to do that anymore. And so uh, he could only go so long with his kidney before there were real potential, potentially fatal issues with his body. And nine weeks ago today, my dad got a call that a kidney was available, and he was so elated, and they said, hey, can you get here in two hours? Uh, because, you need, uh, because a kidney can only last so long without a body before it would shrivel, before it would die. And it was a 45-minute drive to the hospital. My dad packed his bag, got in the car with my mom, uh, went there, and the surgery was successful, thank God. And, and, and we're so grateful for the ways in which uh, he is functioning today. But it made me think of all the ways in which we sometimes don't realize how integral and connected the parts of our body are, how our, our body needs the different organs, right, and how our organs need the body. And so our passage this morning is discussing this, this metaphor of the body, and there are incredibly deep and rich truths that we could pull from this metaphor. But one of the main things that this metaphor of the body points to is both the unity and the diversity of the church. The unity of the church and the diversity of the church. And so if you've been with us, you know that Paul has been talking about unity for much of this letter. Paul spends so much of Scripture talking, uh, and so much of 1 Corinthians just calling them towards unity. And it reminds us of our own tendency towards division and conflict. But where he spends so much of the time emphasizing unity, he spends this entire section talking about why our diversity and why our differences are actually really necessary, why they're important. And so often we get this wrong. We can sometimes think that, that the church or Christianity are just for those um, who do the right things, who look the right way, who act a certain way, who maybe have the certain and right acceptable sins. But if you're not that, then you're out. And, and we, try to, we try to shove people into this sense of uniformity, but the Bible isn't trying to stamp out cookie-cutter Christians who, look, who all look the same way, who all act a certain way. The biblical picture of unity actually celebrates diversity. Now, the Corinthian church actually consisted of people from all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds. You had very rich people. You had very poor people. You had slaves and you had slave masters. You had uh, men and women. You had single people and married people. You had people of all sorts of different spiritual gifts. 
And to this motley crew of people, this motley crew of believers, Paul reminded them why they were gathered. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He says, hey, every Christian, regardless of who you are, regardless of your background, you're baptized into one body by the same Holy Spirit. Who is it? Baptized us into one body. He didn't just baptize us and send us out. He baptized us into a community. And we call the church, this church, the the church of Jesus, the body of Christ, consists of people who've been saved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, who've been forgiven of their sins, redeemed, and reconciled to God. And so, yes, Jesus did die to save you from your sins. But he did so that you you would be part of this new community called the church that's called to live as redeemed people in the world, bringing the kingdom of God in all the places he's called us to. And there's so much in this text that we can unpack, but what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is to look at how this metaphor of the body causes us to view ourselves and how it causes us to view others. And then we'll have one application point, and then we can all go on to our Mother's Day lunches. Sound good? Sound good? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Paul says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Now, there are some Christians in in the Corinthian church that looked around at the other believers and saw how God had gifted them, how the other believers were different, and they said, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if this is my sort of community. I'm not like them. And Paul writes to them so that they would actually view themselves rightly. He says, hey, just because you don't look like and operate like that person over there, that doesn't make you any less a part of this body. And this issue is still relevant for us today, right? Like, how many times have you looked at the people around you, whether it's in this church or the community group you're part of, uh, and thought, I don't know if that's me. In fact, whole churches are formed uh, to unite people of similar backgrounds or interests, right? So if you don't fit at this church right here, maybe you can go across the street and go to this other church. And when it comes to the community of faith, we try to, or we tend to pull away from other believers when we begin to see ourselves as differently from others. And so we could have two mistakes. We could have too high of a view of ourselves where we look down on others and think we don't belong because everyone else is beneath us. Or we could have too low of a view of ourselves. And so we see everyone else and think, well, that's not me. I don't fit. I'm not like them. And then every time you gather, every conversation, it seems to reinforce those differences. So friends, let me ask you a question. What are the categories you think of as you seek to identify yourself? Or, Or maybe when you think about this church or the community group that you're in, what are the reasons that you're tempted to pull away? What are the reasons where you walk in and you're like, I, I, don't, know if this, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if this is, is going to last long. Do you see all the young families in this room and think, well, that's not me. I don't have a young family or I don't have kids. Or are you tempted to leave because, because you think everyone else is in a certain life stage or certain economic bracket or everyone else votes a certain way? 
Do you think you don't fit in because it seems like the things that you struggle with are different from everyone else's? Listen, all the things that you think set you apart, that make you, that you, that you might think make you strange or different, all the good things and, and all the things that you're embarrassed about, what scripture says is those aren't just quirks that are unique to you. Those aren't just, uh, those aren't just unique personality traits. Four times in this passage we looked at this morning, four times the Bible reminds us that God composed and arranged the parts of the body. Four times. So what this means is that God has intentionally and sovereignly chosen, listen, chosen your family of origin. Whether how much ever you appreciate them or despise them, God has sovereignly chosen your family of origin. God has given you the personality and the gifts that you have. God Hey, God has appointed this season that you're in right now. And that family of origin and those gifts and the season of life that you're in right now allows you to be a part of the body that God has arranged you to be. So, so we can't view ourselves too highly because everything we have is because of God, right? It's, it's not us. And we can't view ourselves lowly, too low because the Bible comes in and says, hey, you're way more valuable and way more necessary and the God of the universe has lovingly and intentionally shaped you for this moment. And he's called you to be an integral, an integral part of the body. So look at what he says in verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. God has called and created you to function and operate in the church in such a way, or in the same way that your left eyeball functions and operates in the body, right? Now, think about this picture with me. If, if, if your body were just a bunch of eyeballs, that would not be cool or quirky or unique. It'd be gross, right? It'd be grotesque. And what he's saying is, hey, we don't need a church full of eyeballs. We need a church we need a community with eyes and ears and thumbs and intestines all bringing themselves together, all coming together to be what God has called us to be. This picture of a body that, that Paul gives is not where body parts are just, are, are just part of a body, right? He, he's not talking about a Frankenstein where you get an ear here, an arm here, and you just stick them together. But a reality where each part belongs to the body. And we know this, right? We know there's a difference between being a part of something and belonging to something, right? My wife and I, who's sitting right here on the front row, my wife and I come from different backgrounds. Um, I'm Indian, if you can't tell, um, and she is not. And so I, uh, amongst many things, I, I grew up in a suburb outside of Dallas, uh, she grew up uh, way south of Houston around farms and cattle. Um, and so there were some real major cultural differences between her and I that, that we got to explore as we dated, uh, right? And so um, the only casserole I'd ever had was a green bean casserole at Thanksgiving, right? And so I thought that, that was, that's the name of this dish, green bean casserole. I did not realize casserole was like a food genre, right? It, it, just, it just covers a multitude of anything you could stick in a pan, um, I listened to 50 Cent and Ludacris growing up, right? Some occasional Linkin Park. My wife, sweet wife, listened to country music. The only country music, country song that I knew was You're Still the One by Shania Twain. Uh, that, and I've come to find out Shania Twain's, you know, it's, it, you're on the fence on whether she's actually a country 
music artist or not. I don't know. I thought, uh, she told me she was a part of Future Farmers of America, and I laughed, because I thought, that's not a real thing. Uh, you know, like, that's, I thought that was like an economic plan during the Great Depression, not a school program for middle schoolers and high school students. And, and these differences felt accentuated, right, um, when I went to visit her family for the first time. Uh, now, Robin and I were, were, were just dating. We'd been dating for a few months. But I remember going to this family gathering, um, on her dad's house and thinking, I am in a different world right now. I'm in a different world. So you had this Indian kid show up in his Gap jeans and his Express shirt, right? And I felt like I'd walked into a Bass Pro Shop, right? There was just Carhartt logos everywhere. Every guy had a fishing shirt on. And, and, um, and, and I didn't understand the references they made, the, the inside jokes they had. And, and, and I was a part of this gathering. You could go back and you could look at pictures uh, of, of this gathering, and you would see me there, right? I'm a, a brown spot in a sea of not brown. <laughs> but I did, not, I did not belong to these people, right, in, in the same way that they, they, that, that they belong to each other, right? That there was a connection, that there was a belonging there. And then Robin and I got married, and these same people were there celebrating with us on our wedding day. And in that moment, in a very real way, I was grafted into the family, Right? In a very real way, I became a part of the Hammond and Lichka families. And I still had way more melanin in my skin than all of them com- combined. Right? And I st- there's, there's so much I still don't understand. Right? There, I haven't changed much, but now something has changed in that I belong. I belong, and that has changed everything. That's changed how I've viewed family gatherings right? and, and how they view me, how we interact. This, this fundamental shift of like, hey, you're one of us now. You're one of us. You're different, for sure, right? I am a different body part, for sure, but I belong. And listen, we, listen, you and I, we, we might have some real differences. I don't want to gloss over that. I don't want to minimize that. But if you're a Christian, the Bible wants to remind you that you are part of and belong to something way more bigger and way more beautiful than any individual one of us. Hear me, this is not just me trying to convince you for all the reasons why you should stay at our church, right? This is not some initiative to get you to stick around. God is saying this. God is saying that he has arranged it so that you'd be part of this body, and he calls you to see yourself rightly in relation to the body. God's called us. What it also means is that we have to shift how we view others. We have to shift how we view others. Look at what he says in verse 21. He's saying, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Here's what the Bible just said. He said that our differences necessitate that we actually need one another. Our differences necessitate that we need one another. To look at a brother and sister and say, I'm not sure if I really need you, would be like your head saying to your left foot, I don't know if I need you. It's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous because the Bible is connected in such a way that every part is interdependent on the others. We need one another. In the same way that you are a necessary and a very integral part of the body, so is the person sitting next to you. So is the person in your community group that sort of annoys you, 
They are part of the body. In other words, the primary value, listen, is not just to get a bunch of people in the same room or even to get a bunch of people from different backgrounds in the same room. But the body of Christ functions in such a way that our diverse backgrounds, our gifts, bless and build each other. Diversity is such a high value in our world today, but so often it feels like a performative value, right? As long as we meet the quota or have every group represented, then, then we could pat ourselves on the back, then we could feel good. But the Bible calls us to a vision of diversity, not so we could pat ourselves on the back or so that we could feel good about ourselves, but because our differences actually see, help us see the beauty of Christ's body. Eyes can't be tongues and, and tongues can't walk. And so for the body to be healthy, there's an interconnectedness, an interdependence on the different parts. So friends, as you, as you look at the people sitting next to your left and your right, as you think about, as you think about the people in your community group, the, think about the people in your discipleship group, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you look at them with eyes of love? Do you look at them with eyes of love or, or do you look at them with indifference? See, indifference is when you look at the person next to you Give him a big smile and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How's life? And it, it just sort of stays on the surface. Right? See, indifference doesn't notice when someone's been absent. See, the absence of love, as we've so often heard, is not, is not hatred. It's indifference. Indifference views others as dispensable parts of the community. You can be here, you can be not be here. It really doesn't impact me that much. But love sees and feels when someone misses a week or when another part hurts. This is why verse 26 says that if one part suffers, all of us suffer. If one part rejoices, all of us rejoice, right? We, we know this fundamentally. If you've ever stubbed your toe, it's not like, hey, my pinky toe hurts. It's like my whole body hurts, right? We, we, we feel this uniquely. And if you've spent any time in Christian community, you know that this isn't easy, right? It's not that difficult to show up to a family meal and talk about sports, right? It's not, it's not that difficult to greet someone during our welcome time and ask them how their weekend was and say, great, and move on to the next person. And, and I know that time is, is, is like terrible and cringeworthy for all the introverts in the room. Uh, I know you get sick to your stomach. I'm not asking you to do it again. But, but, but it's not that difficult to stay on the surface because we do this all the time, Right? Brief, shallow points, uh, shallow touch points aren't difficult. We do this at the grocery store and at work and with our neighbor. But the sort of need for one another that Paul's listing out involves real intentionality, right? To not just have random or chance encounters, but to pursue people in love. To go put things on calendars, to invite people into your homes, to, to follow up on things you talked about, to follow up on things that you've prayed about. And it involves vulnerability, to, meaning you open up about your life and share your heart in such a way where, where it feels revealing. So friends, listen, when a member of your community asks you how life is or where you've been, we can either take that as like, hey man, don't get in my business. Or we can see it as an invitation to lean in closer. Because the body cares enough for the body to ask about other parts of the body. Friends, the church, the body of Christ is a gift from the Lord because it's an invitation to live out the reconciling nature of the gospel, to be united with people you otherwise might not, be, might not ever interact with, 
to push back uh, past worldly boundaries and see people who've been baptized into Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We're part of something where arms and kidneys and spleens and toes are all part of the same body. It's an invitation to show grace to one another. Because the world says, hey, hey, that person over there, that, that's other. That, that group is other to you, and so you can hold them at arm's length. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, I died for that person too. I laid my life down for them too, so you can lay down your life for one another. Friends, it's when we gather together that you and I get to regularly remind ourselves and display to the world that we're not defined primarily by our race or culture or gender or sexuality or political party or whether you cheer for OU or OSU or you're both wrong, hook them horns. We're prone to drift towards people who look like us, think like us, act like us, right? Because it's comfortable. And that's the way of the world. That's what every organization and group out there is about, right? It's joining people who have similar interests or who are like-minded or similar in so many ways. But the Church of Jesus Christ is a unique organism where different people uniquely, truly different people come together and love and live in such a way that we display something unique, that's so unique that it's alive. I mean, isn't it incredible that the metaphor that Paul uses here is not, hey, you are a machine or a process, but a body that displays Jesus to the world. In the final verses of this chapter, Paul says God, God's appointed apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing and helping and administration. And, and we don't have time to get into all the details of that, but, he, but here's what he's doing. He's showing us a picture of the rich diversity of the church Jesus. The church is not just full of prophets or teachers or administrators, but our diversity displays the incredible wisdom of God so that you and I need one another. And all this leads to the question, what does that mean for us, right? What does that mean for you and I today? And I have just one application point for us today. It's really simple. It's for you and I to be part of the body. You know, it's to be part of the body. Now, a lot of times this passage is preached in such a way that the takeaway or the application is that you need to figure out what part of the body that you are and operate that way, right? You need to figure out what your spiritual gift is um, and then use that in the local church. I remember hearing that in college um, and, and what I heard was that I was failing at being a good church member or being a good part of the body because I couldn't name my spiritual gift. I couldn't operate it. I didn't know what it was, right? So I, I went online and I was trying to take some tests. I was like, I don't know, what's my spiritual gift? I'm really good at hanging out with people. Like, I don't know, is, is that a thing, Right? And, and we, could, we could take assessments, you could figure out what you're good at and, and, and find ways to serve there. And, and listen, those are all good things. Like, we hope that you're able to figure out the unique ways in which God has called you and he's gifted you and unique ways in, for you to plug into our church. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I, th I think it just misses the bigger picture. Because what the body needs is not primarily the gift that you have to bring. That's not what the body needs. The, primary, the body doesn't primarily need the gift. Paul says that you and I are the body of Christ and individually members of it, meaning that we're already in, meaning you are a part of the body, not just your gifts or your abilities. Friends, you are a part of the body. That's dangerous when we start to view people in terms of what they bring to the table. 
well, if, if, if I need something for music, okay, Zach's the music guy. Jeff Nine is a really smart guy. He knows lots of things about theology. This guy, okay, this girl over here, she's really good at praying. He's really, and we start viewing them primarily in terms of the value that they bring. And that's dangerous because it leads to selfishness, right? And a consumeristic view of how we view people. Relationships are all about what do you bring? What do you give me? How do I benefit from this? You've probably experienced this, right? Where, where someone wants to be in a relationship with you only for, for what they can get from you, right? Everyone's, or maybe you've been uh, that friend of like, hey, uh, you feel a friend reaches out and you're like, oh man, I'm so glad that you want to reach out. Oh, you actually want my car, right? Like, you've been in that situation. But if you've ever had a little kid, right, if you've ever had or been around a little kid, you've actually experienced the opposite of this, right? Because little kids don't bring any physical or material value, right? If, if anything, they, they de- depreciate the things that you have, right? They're a drain on money, on energy, time, resources. They destroy your things. Sometimes they smile, and it might be gas, but it feels worth it, right? <laughs> but parents don't love their kids because of what the kid brings to the table, Right? but because they're family, because they're family, because of who they are, because there's a bond that transcends, listen, there's a bond that transcends utility. There's a bond that transcends what you bring to the table, and that's what God calls us to. Friends, you might not know the gifts that God has given you, and that's okay. That's truly, that's okay, because here's what I know. You bring those gifts whether you know it or not. Whether you can name it or not, you bring those gifts Everywhere you go. And the primary gift the body needs is your presence and your involvement. That's, that's what the body needs, is your presence, your involvement. There, there are many things, listen, there are many things that, that might pull us away from a Sunday morning or from a family meal in your community group, right? I know, it's hard. Getting kids ready in the morning and, and navigating car uh, naps and, and uh, meals is hard, and we, and we live in a time where, where we get to uh, get up and travel and go on vacations and see new places and visit old friends. And these are all good things. And yet our presence is needed for the body. And the presence of the body is needed for your vitality. I, I mentioned that at, at the top of the sermon, my, my dad uh, getting a new kidney. And, and what I kept coming back to what I kept coming back to this week as I was studying this text was just the reality that our organs, our physical organs, can't go so long and being detached to the body, detached to the presence of the body. He needed to get there in two hours. But also, our bodies can't go long, can't go long without the presence of organs, right? Like there's an interconnectedness. And yet we, as the body of Christ, feel like we can get by just fine with just a couple touch points throughout the month, right? All right, I've, 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 I've done the right number of touch points. I've been to church three times, a community group twice. or We start doing all these things to justify our presence or absence in a place. And to those of us who f- might feel like unwant- unneeded kidneys or whatever organ you might be, we need you. Listen, I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to guilt you for missing church for whatever reason, but I am convinced that your spiritual livelihood is tied to your connection to the life of the local church. And our spiritual flourishing is tied to your connection present w- 
with, with us, presence with us. I, I, think, I think you need the life of the local church and lo- the local church needs you. Not because we need your gifting, not because we need your body in a kid's classroom, but because you're part of this body. And we live in a time where there's a lot of talk about caring for yourself and your body, and those are really good things. But friends, what would it look like if we prioritized the body of Christ and gave it as much thought and effort and intentionality as we give our own bodies? I know it seems to be asking a lot, right? To, to reorient your social life and, and your kids' schedules and sports around the community of faith. But I wonder how much more healthy you and I could be if we pressed into the body, if we jumped in, if we leaned in, if we participated, not just when it's convenient, but because you and I recognize that our souls actually need this. Our souls actually need it. Friends, can I invite you to lean in, to commit there are a few ways you could do that. You could, you, could, you could commit to coming, attending regularly on Sunday mornings. You could commit to a community group that meets in your area. All of our community groups are, are part of hubs, and all of our hubs are gathering and having these prayer and worship nights here next week. Lean into that. You could talk to your community group leader, or you could talk to, to Derek Chapin, um, and he can get you more information on that. We've got membership classes. June, June 10th, I want to invite you to press in or lean in. But friends, we need your presence every bit as much as I think you need the presence of the local church. I'm going to wrap up here. I, I think it's, it's remarkable that the Bible in at least four different places says that the church is not just a body. Right? It'd be one thing for Paul to say, hey, you are a body, right? And, and say all the things. He says, no, you are the body of Christ, now think about that for a second. The body of Jesus. I think, I think, I think Paul is using uh, this language because he experienced this firsthand. Before Paul became a Christian, he was on his way to Damascus. He'd been killing Christians, persecuting them. And then Jesus shows up, knocks him off his horse. And I don't know if you remember what, what Jesus says to him. Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? See, Jesus identifies with his people so much, so much, that he identifies himself as part of that body. What this means is that in a very real way, you and I, as believers, we are Christ to the world. We display his eyes and his hands and his feet in the world. We're his friends. We, the language is incarnational language. We incarnate Jesus to the world. In a world full of brokenness and sin, we're his presence. And so friends, you and I get to show the world, but you and I also get to show each other the empowering grace of God that helps us see ourselves rightly. The reconciling grace of God that turns strangers into family. And the active grace of God that saves and works. You and I get to show individually and get to show, show this together. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that has baptized us into the body of Christ, friends, I invite you, let's, let's do this. Let's live this out together. Would you pray with me?